Thanks for coming back tonight. It's good to see you here. We are meditating on the attributes of God these Sunday evenings. Uh, Tonight we move to the omnipresence of God. Uh, Tonight is the first in two parts as we consider God's omnipresence. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. Key phrase, I fill heaven, and earth. Filling this instance refers to the presence of God, the doctrine. God is essentially, that is, in his essence or attributes, present everywhere in heaven and earth. God is everywhere and nowhere. God is everywhere, for there is no place where God is not. God is nowhere because he is not bounded by any place. Where there is nothing, there is God. We think of black holes. We think of an ever-expanding universe. We think of things that are out there. What is beyond the universe that God has created? The answer, it's God. So God encompasses or engulfs all things. King James, Acts 17, 28. For in him we live and move (coughs) and have our being. NAS translates it. For in him we live and move and exist. And the NIV, for in him we live and move and have our being. Note the verse does not say by him we live and move and have our being, but rather in him we live and move and have our being. We live and move in God. God encompasses us like the air around us. God encompasses all things. God is the atmosphere of the universe, if you will. God's immensity and the doctrine of omnipresence explain. Immensity is the doctrine which teaches that God is totally or fully present Everywhere, As the the, uh, infiniteness of God is a denial of the limitation of being, so immensity is the denial of the limitation of space. God is not limited by space or distance. There are no obstacles to him. God is totally in every place as opposed to a part of God being present everywhere. So that's what we mean by immensity. Totally, fully present everywhere. Immensity must be distinguished from ubiquity. Sorry for these these terms, but they're theological terms and they're good to be exposed to. Especially this one, ubiquity. For sometimes people write as though ubiquity and omnipresence are true synonyms. 
Well, they are not exhaustive synonyms. There's a nuance of difference between omnipresence and ubiquity. Ubiquity is not the ability to be everywhere. Rather, it is the ability to seemingly be everywhere at the same time. Ubiquity is achieved, for example, by the ability to go from one place to another in a split second. In a split second. Ubiquity is the ability to be in China one moment and in the United States the next moment. Satan is ubiquitous, but he is not omnipresent. So Satan, in the snap of a finger, can be halfway around the world, and the snap of the finger be right here. But he can't be halfway around the world and right here at the same time. He can zap where he wants to be awfully quick, but he cannot be everywhere at the same time where God is. Jeremiah, Job 2.2, And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From roaming about on the earth and walking around it. That's the uniformed way in which the scripture speaks of the activity of Satan. He's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's on the prowl. He's roaming to and fro. He's going about. But you see, he's not everywhere. He's not everywhere. Ubiquity may be achieved through multiplication. For example, Santa Claus might seem to be present in every mall. In actuality, it's a different Santa in each mall. Through his many demons, Satan's influence seems to be almost everywhere. However, it is achieved through representation. So it's not Satan that is everywhere, but his demons seem like they are everywhere, but even his demons in their totality are not everywhere. But it seems as though it is. So in Luther's great hymn, And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. Notice devils is in the plural. For the earth to be filled, it would require more than one. But notice also it's a uh, subjective statement, a subjective mood. And though this world, it's not. It's not. This world is not filled with devils. But if it were filled with devils, we would not fear. For God has willed for his triumph to, his truth to triumph through us. So Satan is not everywhere. Satan's representation even isn't everywhere. So how is God's, how is God immense or fully present everywhere? Well, first, God's immensity is not achieved by his vastness or his being huge. He is not everywhere by parts. Isaiah 66, 1. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build me? For oh, where will my resting place be? We are not to think of God as the celestial giant whose head pokes above the heavens and his feet reach to the earth. Okay, so you can picture this humongous God, and his head is above and his feet are below. So his, his head's in heaven and his feet are here on earth. But that's not the concept that we're to have of God. He's not everywhere in parts. He is everywhere in totality. 
His immensity is not achieved by multiplication. There are not an infinite number of gods. His immensity is not achieved by diffusion. That is, God is not stretched out over all things. He is not like beaten gold or an inflated balloon. God is not elastic so that he can reach to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not like, uh, who's that Marvel character who can stretch? I shouldn't talk off the top of my head because I can't think. But anyway, he's not like that. God uh, is not elastic. His immensity is achieved by being fully, totally present everywhere. As I said before, God is the atmosphere in which we exist. Next, there are no exceptions to God's immensity. God's immensity is achieved by being fully, totally present everywhere and now at all times. A distinction must be made between God's essential presence and God's providential presence. God's essential presence, and I defined that earlier as his divine attributes, God's essential presence is a universal presence that he has with all creatures. So Jeremiah 23, 24 says, Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. God is essentially present, meaning that God's attributes are experienced in all places. In all places, without exception, at all times. Number one, a description of God's presence in knowledge. God knows all things because God is present everywhere. Jeremiah 23, 24. Can anyone hide in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord. Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The word filling cannot simply refer to an act of understanding and will. God knows all things and sees all things because God has a first-hand knowledge of and sight of all things. God needs no reporters or surveillance cameras. Why? Because God is present everywhere. Can anyone hide in secret places so I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So it's not God having surveillance cameras that, that cover the whole earth. And if that were the case, God wouldn't know all things because he'd have to dart his eyes from, from screen to screen to see what is going on from different places. God knows all things because he is everywhere to observe all things. The point is that wherever one would choose to hide, they would already find God there. Psalm 139.5 Thou hast enclosed me behind and before. There's that aspect of being surrounded by God again. And laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from thy spirit? Or where can I flee from thy presence? If I ascend to heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. Illustration. Imagine a game of hide and seek. It would be impossible to hide if everywhere you went to hide, the person who was seeking you was standing there. 
You can't hide from God because you can't go anywhere where God is not present. There is no leaving God behind. This is both a comfort and a scary thought. If you do bad things, it's a scary thought that you cannot hide from God. However, when you need help, it's a wonderful thought that you are not hidden from God's view and that he is right there to help you. Even there thy hand will lead me and thy right hand will lay hold of me. Psalm 46.1 God is our refuge and strength. And notice these words. A very present help in time of trouble. And when it's speaking about a very present help, it's not talking about immediate in terms of present as opposed to future or past, but rather in the sense that he is there. He is, he is present. He is our present help. Just saw this afternoon a commercial advertising a track phone. And they're calling it the uh, everywhereness of this track phone because wherever you go, you can call for help. Well, it's not just that God can be summoned to help us and that he can be there lickety-split. It's a little while ago I had to call AAA. And uh, after 40 minutes, they arrived. It was nice that they did. Glad for the help. Took them 40 minutes to get there. God is a very present help. He is there. A description of God's essential presence and power. God's power extends everywhere. Jeremiah twenty three twenty three. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? One can imagine a king whose authority was universal. That is, it would extend to the whole world. However... It would be improper to say of a king whose authority extended to the uttermost parts of his kingdom that he filled the cities and forests of that kingdom. As it says of the Lord, do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. The king's power would be representative. It would require people under his authority to do his bidding throughout the world. For example, President Obama is president over all the United States. But for President Obama to do his job, he has to have a lot of people working for him. Why? Because President Obama cannot be everywhere at the same time. I apologize for capitalizing him. I'm not deifying President Obama, so uh, strike that. Okay. But uh, he uh, cannot be everywhere at the same time. If someone in the United States wants to meet with President Obama when he's in China, they have to wait till he returns to the United States. However, God meets with his people at all times, wherever they are, because he is in all places at all times. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. There am I in the midst. He is everywhere where two or three people gather together. He is fully there. You have his full and complete attention. We are not vying for God's attention. We don't have to 
rack up. You know, uh, he's going to come to the largest crowd where uh, 500,000 meet, that's where God's going to be. Uh, no, where two or three are gathered. There he is. There he is. He's able to hear every prayer at the same time. He knows all things. He is present everywhere. There is never a place, never a time, where God's essential presence is absent. So, we move to B, God's providential or special presence refers to the relationship that God's creatures have to his presence at any given time. There is a benevolent providential presence in which God gives his help and enables his people to do his work. This is when God makes his presence known. It is limited to the ones through whom God chooses to work. So that we read such things as Isaiah 45, 2, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. Or Isaiah 41, 10, So do not fear, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am God. I will strengthen you, help you, and you. I will pull you with the right hand of my righteousness. The providential presence of God is God abiding with his people. So what does it mean for God to go before his people? I will go before you. Well, the context tells us. Isaiah 45, verse 2. I will be, go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. I will give you treasures of darkness. He's going to make the path. He's going to clear the path for us. He is going to help us. What does it mean for God to be with his people? So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I will be with you. Meaning that he is going to strengthen you. He is going to help you. I will uphold you. So when God is with us, God is helping us. He's on our side. If God be with us, who can be against us? I used to have a college professor who one of his pet peeves was that you should never pray for God to be with you because God is omnipresent. God is always with you. That's a half-truth. God is always with us. But there is a sense in which the Bible speaks of God being with us in the sense of helping us, aiding us, encouraging us, strengthening us. So let's go to the next one, and I think you'll understand what I mean. God often revealed his presence in the scripture as a means of comforting his people. The Shekinah glory was one great example of the manifestation of God's presence. You remember the account in the Old Testament concerning the children of Israel as they left the land of Egypt. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud, to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so they could travel by day and night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. The Shekinah glory was not the extent of God's presence, however. God was not just where the fire and cloud were. I hope we all understand that. So that when God manifested his presence, whether it be 
the cloudy pillar by day, the fiery pillar by night, whether it be the burning bush, when he spoke to Moses, when God appeared or God manifested his presence there, that did not mean that God ceased to be omnipresent. God was present everywhere. What it means is that he revealed his presence. He showed himself. He allowed himself to be witnessed. God was everywhere. The cloud was a manifestation or revelation of his presence. It was God letting the people see that he was there and directing their steps. He was there all the time. But to reassure and to comfort the children of Israel, they let, he let them see that he was there. Solomon realized the temple could not house God. The temple would not be the only place that God was. So we read in 1 Kings 8, 27, the words of Solomon. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you, how much less this temple that I have built. So Solomon realized that when the temple was being built as a dwelling place of God, that that did not mean that the, dwell, that the temple fully engulfed God or that God ceased to be omnipresent by abiding in the temple. It means that he had a unique relationship to the temple. Initially, God demonstrated his presence at the temple through a cloud. So for, however, the temple would be a place where God would make his presence known in a special way. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. This is Solomon's prayer at the dedication of the temple. O Lord my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servant is praying in your presence this day. May your eyes be open toward this temple night and day, this place of which you said, My name shall be there, so that you will hear the people your servant prays toward this place. The trumpeters and singers joined in unison as with one voice to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raised their voices and praised to the Lord and sang, He is good, His love endures forever. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with a cloud, and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. Then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. So God manifested his presence. He revealed his presence. He let himself be seen, as it were. But it didn't limit his presence. Thus, there is no limitation of God's presence, only a limitation of God's willingness to reveal his presence. Only a willingness 
to reveal his presence. So when the Bible speaks of God being with us, and next week I'm going to go into the myriad of spatial uh, references to God and talk about what those spatial references are intended to communicate to us. But tonight, when we are praying for God to be with us, we are, we are praying for God to uh, help us, to God, for God to use his attributes to our benefit or well-being. For notice number two, there is also a terrible or awful presence of God that the wicked will experience at the hands of the Almighty God. Hebrews 10.31 is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I said to you, God is present everywhere. Without exception. Without exception. Now, if you're pretty quick, there may have been a thought that came to your mind. Is God in hell? Think about that for a moment. Is God in hell? And the answer to that is yes. God is in hell. In what sense is God in hell? How is God's essential presence? How is the how are the attributes of God manifest in hell? What attribute is mankind experiencing of God when they're in hell? His wrath. His wrath. God rules over hell. It's the secular, it's the secular concept that hell is Satan's dominion. Hell was created for Satan. Hell, Satan is experiencing hell. Satan will know the wrath of God. He is not reigning over hell. He is a subject of hell. What will keep the fires, as it were, of hell burning? It's God. It's God. The point is, in hell, they will know nothing of God's mercy. Nothing of God's grace. Nothing of God's compassion. They will only know his anger. And we will not be in hell. And we will know God's grace. And we will know God's compassion. And we will know God's mercy. And we will know nothing of God's wrath. God is everywhere in his essential attributes. But God does not use, if as it were, his essential attributes 
for the betterment of everyone. That is the aspect of God being with his people. Uh, it is experiencing those attributes of grace and mercy and help. I don't want to go too much into this because I don't want to get into my whole discussion next week of, uh, of uh, spatial references. But uh, one such question to leave you with is, how could Christ say, my God, my God, how hast thou forsaken me? What does that mean? And many other spatial references. This was so long, I was so concerned about going over, that I went so fast and didn't make some of the applications I was going to, that now I've quit early. Uh, so, some of you ladies can identify with me. Uh, one of the, the people that uh, was having Thanksgiving for the first time at, at their house said, you know, the most difficult thing is getting everything done at the same time. Getting all of the different uh, dishes to end. One of the toughest things of preaching is hitting it right on the head. Well, usually I go over. Tonight, I went under. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Uh, Lord, we thank you that you are present even with us now. And you have taught us that where two or three are gathered, there you are in our midst. Which means, O oh God, you have taught us that when we are gathered together to worship you, then you reveal yourself to ways in which you don't reveal yourself to us when we are alone. There are ways in which we meet with you in corporate worship that we don't meet with you in our quiet time. So, Lord, we really come with a sense of expectation. We come with a sense of, of really learning from you, being comforted by you, being helped by you. For, Lord, you will do a work in our midst when we have come to meet with you. Lord, we know we can pray anytime and anywhere. And yet, oh Lord, may we not ever belittle the importance of corporate prayer and gathering together and praying with one another. There's a special sense, oh Lord, in the way in which you hear those prayers and fellowship with us. Lord, we, we are speaking of things that are beyond our, our comprehension. So, Lord, help us to be able to just simply accept the reality that you are everywhere and then to rejoice in the way in which you are uniquely present with us, your people, that we enjoy the benefits of your presence and the fierce and terrible thought of those that will experience the wrath of your presence. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.